One semester of law school. One semester of criminal justice. Two experts. I'm Kristen Pitts. I'm Brandi Egan. Let's go to court. On this episode, I'll talk about an exercise guru who murdered her husband. And I'll be talking about murder, miscommunication, and two nearly identical cars. All right, here we go. Okay. You ready for this? An exercise guru, huh? Uh, I'm very excited. Oh my gosh, me too. Do you have a favorite exercise guru from back in the day? Richard Simmons. Oh, okay. Well, yeah, not a bad choice. My personal (laughs) favorite. Jane Fonda? Jane Fonda. Of course. Jane Fonda. (laughs) You used to do the tapes. Hell yeah. My favorite. Uh Uh-huh. Jane Fonda, hips, buns, and thighs. Excellent. And you know the story of when I accidentally returned that tape to Blockbuster... I don't remember this story. This was so embarrassing. So I would always do Jane Fonda hips, buns, and thighs Uh after school. And one day, like, we had rented some movie from Blockbuster Mm -hmm. and needed to go back. I guess I wasn't thinking. Pulled out Jane Fonda's hips, buns, and thighs, put it in the Blockbuster case, (laughs) and then, like, later that day realized what I had done, and I had to go back to the Blockbuster (laughs) And tell the guy behind the counter, excuse me, I accidentally... Can I get my Jane Fonda back, please? And then, you know what he did? What? (laughs) He looked me up and down. He goes, doesn't look like you need it, though. Oh, no! Gross! I had all the hips, buns, and thighs that I needed. (laughs) And that's the story of how I met Norman. Can we just take a moment? R.I.P. Blockbuster. Oh, oh. oh, I loved Blockbuster. You know, we had some good times in Blockbuster. Yeah, we did. Do you remember when we rented American Pie and we thought we were such badasses? Yeah. Because we were not 13 yet. Yeah. Mm. I rented it because I was the, the tallest. tallest. <laughs> yep. <laughs> you would have thought... We were scoring cocaine. Right. Like, we really... <laughs> as if the kid behind the, the counter gave, gave, gave a shit at shits. all. Yeah. No, you know he didn't, because do you remember who went on to work at Blockbuster? And you know he didn't give a shit. Oh, Dan, Dan Jones! Jones! Yes! yes! <laughs> <laughs> you know he didn't give a shit what anybody was renting. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Are you ready for a crazy story? Yes. Okay. Buckle up, Brandy. Okay, wait. Click. It's 2002, and we're in Harvard Law School. Oh. Yes. There's this very respected defense attorney who teaches criminal law at Harvard. In fact, Professor Callahan is the best defense attorney in the state of Massachusetts. Really? Yes. Is the best defense attorney teaching? Is that... You know, I don't know if you had like an adjunct thing, but, you know. Okay. Everyone wanted to get a summer internship with him, but there were only so many spots, and they never went to first-year students. But in 2002, Callahan made an exception. He was working on a huge case, and he needed all the help he could get. He'd just taken on a new celebrity client named Brooke Windham. She'd been accused of murdering her husband, and everyone thought she'd done it. Yeah, and she did, like, the, she did, like, workout videos, right? right? exactly. Yeah, I think I remember. Yeah, if, uh, 
I feel like if you're into this kind of stuff, you've probably heard her name before. Yeah, for but sure. But you probably know her by her maiden name, Brooke Taylor. Oh, yes. Yeah. Yes. Okay. 100%. So everyone thought she did it, including Callahan. Really? Yes. He thought her, his client was her guilty. Her own defense attorney Fuck. thought she was guilty. Yeah, that's not great. And in conversations with her, he'd kind of be all cutesy and like, oh, well, it's just that the jury won't. But, but like... Behind closed doors, this guy was just like, "Yeah, she's guilty. So that didn't matter. Everyone deserves a good defense, so he would defend her the best way he knew how. Almost immediately, he brought a handful of really talented first-year law students onto the case. Uh-huh. In their first meeting as a defense team, Callahan presented the information without much emotion. The defendant was Brooke Wyndham. Her wealthy husband, Hayworth, was discovered shot to death in their Beacon Hill mansion. It didn't look good. Beacon Hill, man. Shit happens I know, I know. (laughs) The fake Rockefellers live there. These two had a 34-year age gap. Oh, tell us how you feel about it, Kristen. I am grossed out beyond belief. (laughs) I do not support this union. To most people, it looked like Brooke was just a heartless gold digger who got tired of waiting for her husband to die. That's the terrible thing people were saying about her. But the thing is, like, that didn't really make sense because they were both wealthy. Yeah, she she had this huge fitness fitness empire. Yeah, so she did not marry him for the money. No. The defense team was in Callahan's conference room discussing the case when one of the first-year students spoke up. Her name was Elle Woods. As soon as Callahan mentioned that Brooke Wyndham was basically a fitness celebrity, yeah. Elle perked up. She said, do you mean Brooke Taylor? Professor Callahan checked his file and said, yeah, maiden name Taylor. Do you know her? And Elle was like, uh, yeah, she went to the same sorority as me, Delta Nu, and she's completely gifted. She can make you lose like three pounds in one class. Is that real? I think so. I mean, she's completely gifted. Wow. And Professor Callahan was like, yeah, well, she's more than likely completely guilty, too. Ooh, damn. She was seen standing over her husband's dead body. Ooh, yeah, that's not great. Nope, no, it it looked pretty shitty. Yeah, it's not great at all. I'm sorry, he was, did you say shot to death? Yes. Okay. All right. So... Hayworth's 26-year-old daughter, Chutney, and the pool... Chutney? Yes. (laughs) Rich people names, man. Rich people nonsense. (laughs) And the pool boy, Enrique, both saw Brooke standing over Hayworth's dead body. Uh Uh-huh. She was covered in blood. By that point, he'd been dead for about 30 minutes. So Callahan mused that she'd taken that time to stash the gun somewhere. Uh Uh-huh. Elle was annoyed. She believed in Brooke. She said, I don't think Brooke could have done this. Exercise gives you endorphins. Endorphins make you happy. Happy people just don't shoot their husbands. They just don't. She's fucking right. While everyone around that table laughed at her. Poor Elle. Her argument, though rock solid, did not sway the rest of the defense team. So the whole, like, she's the only one on the defense team that is like... Uh, I think she's innocent. 
It's hard to know for certain, but it definitely seemed that yeah. way. It seemed that in that in that room, for sure, Callahan thought Brooke was guilty, and everyone else. I think they were so busy sucking up to Callahan yeah. that L was really the only one defending her. Yeah. A while later, the group went to talk with Brooke in prison. She was adamant. She said, I didn't do it. I walked in. I saw my husband dead on the floor. I screamed my head off. And in came Enrique and Chutney. But Callahan was skeptical. He was like, you were covered in blood. And Brooke said, why would I kill my husband? Callahan was like, insurance? A love affair? Pure, unadulterated hatred? Believe me, the DA will come up with plenty of reasons. Mm-hmm. And reasons, not just raisins. I feel like I said raisins. <laughs> there might be trail mix. We just don't know. <laughs> if you're lucky, some M&Ms. Yes. Did I tell you about the time that Kyla and Jay packed for a camping trip and they didn't pack trail mix that had M&Ms in it? <laughs> Norm got pissed. <laughs> I thought Norm was going to die. <laughs> Callahan didn't sugarcoat it. He said, you two had a 34-year age gap. That's not going to look good to a jury. Mm-hmm. But Brooke said, then show them a picture of his dick. That ought to clear a few things up. What? Mm-hmm. <gasps> Ooh, she knew what she wanted. <laughs> I guess so. <laughs> After a tense moment, Callahan said, look, I believe you. But I'm worried that the jury won't. We need an alibi. Mm -hmm. So here's the weird part of this story. Brooke would not give her alibi. She said she had one. She had one. She wouldn't tell it to anybody. Ooh, must be bad then. Or non-existent, right? Yeah, also true. Later, the defense team was alone, and they tried to sort the case out. They were like, if Brooke didn't do it, then who did? Elle said... Either Chutney or the ex-wife. But Callahan was like, no, that doesn't make any sense. Chutney has a trust fund. She didn't need the money. And the ex-wife was in Aspen at the time of the murder. Oh, so it couldn't have been Yeah, her. she was like down in Cosmos at the yeah. bar. So they needed an alibi. Elle got to work. This time she went back to the prison alone. She brought a gift basket with all the necessities. Calvin Klein, 700 thread count sheets. Ooh. The entire Clinique skincare line. Yeah, this is stuff you're going to need in prison. Aromatherapy candles. <laughs> a loofah. And the Bible. And of course, by that I mean an issue of Cosmo magazine. <laughs> so the sorority girl Bible. Yeah. You're going to need to know 69 ways to please your man in prison, Brandy. Wow. <laughs> You tell me that's not a headline in Cosmo. Is the in prison on there? No, no. Like that's, that? that's separate. I feel like that's a really limited demographic. Magazines are dying. Sometimes you try to go more niche. So Elle gives her these things, and then she kind of gets to the point. She's like, we need your alibi. And Brooke was just like, you know, they're on the prison phones. And Brooke's like, pleading. No, I can't tell you. It's too shameful. Here's a transcript of their conversation. Okay. L. Wait, could... 
do they know that all of their conversations are recorded? Uh, L seems pretty smart, so I okay. would think that okay. at least. All right. So no, they're on. They're in the visiting room. Oh, like doing yeah. the uh, talking yeah. back and forth. Okay, I got gotcha. you. Yeah. But I still think somebody listens in on those conversations. Of course they, they do. They? Yeah, of course okay. they do. Okay. L, it could save you, Brooke. No, that's just it. It would ruin me. L, how? Yeah, what does that mean, Brooke? I've made my fortune off my ability to perfect women's bodies with Brooke's butt buster workout. L, I know you helped me go from a six to a four. Brooke, that's great. Um, on the day of Hayworth's murder, I was she was I was, what? L, what? L, huh? Liposuction. L. <gasps> oh, oh my gosh. Brooke, I know. I'm a fraud. It's not like normal women can have this ass. If my fans knew that I bought it, I would lose everything. I've already lost my husband. I would rather go to jail than lose my reputation. Oh my gosh. <laughs> it just shows... The difference in times. This was 2002, where I guess you'd get fat removed from your ass. Yeah, now you're getting fat injected into Plunged your Plunged into it. I mean, you personally. <laughs> <laughs> I've been trying to get him to move ear cartilage back. <laughs> so, Elle understood. She left the prison and the next day went to Callahan's office. She was not planning on saying anything about Brooks about her secret meeting with Brooke. But here's the thing. Callahan had the visitor's records, and he saw that Elle had gone to visit oh, her. Oh, shit, he's going to get pissed, right? So Yeah, so he's like, why'd you go there? And she had to admit she'd gone to get Brooke's alibi. And he was like, okay, what was it? She wouldn't say. She couldn't break the bonds of sisterhood. Mm-hmm. They took that like a sorority or oath or something. Yeah. If you're ever charged with murder. <laughs> <laughs> I had to be like really sing songy. <laughs> so Callahan was pissed. He goes, screw sisterhood. This is a murder trial, not some scandal at the sorority house. I want the alibi. But Elle wouldn't budge. She didn't give it. No, she wouldn't do wow. it. Wow. I really admire that. I know. Me too. Yeah. But now they got to figure out a way to argue this case without an alibi. Right. That's not an easy task. Uh, no, it's not. Yeah. Most of the defense team didn't understand why Elle kept her word to Brooke. They were like, are you crazy? And then this super hot, douchey, preppy guy named Warner Huntington III. Oh, fuck. Rich people uh, names. <laughs> was like, you should tell the alibi. Think about yourself. Think about how it would help you. If you tell Callahan, it could be good for your career. Mm-hmm. Okay, so side note, but I think it's relevant. That was really hard to hear because, you know, it was immoral. But also because she was in love with Warner. Oh, my gosh. So they had, like, a history? They had a history. So, as a matter of fact, the only reason she even went to Harvard was because she was in love with Warner. 
Wow. They dated for a while, and Elle always thought they were going to get married. But on the night she was certain he was going to propose, he dumped her. Shit. And then he got engaged to this brunette named Vivian, who was like a dead ringer for Selma Blair. Wow. I mean, that's such a striking, like, look, for yes. sure. Yes. What was her name? Vivian Kensington. Ugh, fucking rich mm-hmm, people names. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> Elle followed Warner to law school to win him back. And now she was here kicking ass, and he was sort of revealing himself to be a super douche. Mm, Imagine that. I know. Shocker. If if you ask me, he'd been a douche all along. (laughs) He'd had it in his heart the whole time. (laughs) So at any rate, Elle refused to disclose the alibi, and they needed to interview Hayworth's ex-wife. She was hiding out. In a spa in the Berkshires. Yeah. So Elle and this guy named Emmett Richmond, who was like an associate he worked with Callahan, went to this spa to interview her. They got there, and Mrs. Wyndham Vandermark was laying out. So picture this. She's got like a one of those blue face masks on. She's got the cucumber slices over her eyes. Her hair's up, you know, in like a towel, and she's wrapped in some weird gold foil blanket Mm -hmm. thing. Here's a transcript of that interview. Mrs. Wyndham Vandermark. So I hear that little tart from California shot poor Hayworth. Emmett. Well, that's what we're trying to prove didn't happen, actually. What's Emmett look like? Is he super hot? He's like, is he going to be like the dark horse? Like picture, Picture like Owen Wilson, but with dark hair. Okay. So like Owen Wilson's brother. Kind of, yeah. Okay. All right. <laughs> All right, I'm picturing him. Okay, you got him? Yeah. And like, okay. I mean, I kind of want them to get together. I was going to say, I feel like something's going to happen between Emmett and Elle, right? But in a minute here, she's going to call him a butthead. Oh, so, shit. you know, okay. we just don't know what's going to happen with, with yeah. these two. Yeah. You know. So Elle says, Do you have any reason to believe that it did? Mrs. Wyndham Vandemark. Well, I never actually met the woman, but my daughter tells me she can be quite the little bitch. Oh, <laughs> who's calling? My dad. Oh, oh no. Oh, my God. Okay. Okay, where the hell was I? I feel like I hear Norm's voice. Is he really not here? I mean, the car's not Oh, here. then maybe he is gone. Some I hear somebody's voice. Like, Yeah, I, I think Is it the next door neighbor? Okay. <clears throat> Do you just... How often do you hear Norm's voice? All the time. (laughs) Is that how you fall asleep? Just a gaming historian video? (laughs) I just loop them. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I remember where I was. Okay. Mrs. Wyndham Vandemark. Well, I never actually met the woman, but my daughter tells me she can be quite the little bitch. Ooh. Emmett. Now, did your daughter ever mention anything to you about the relationship between Brooke and Hayworth? Mrs. Wyndham Vandermark. Well, she did say that they humped like gorillas. Oh my god! I guess it wasn't enough for Brooke. Emmett. Uh, why do you say that? Mrs. Wyndham Vandermark. Haven't you seen the cabana boy? Oh my god! <laughs> This is turning into quite the episode. (laughs) I think maybe we should stop and explain 
depending on what gets cut out yeah. of this. So my phone has gone gone off twice. Yeah. Norman and I uh, have been house shopping for eight million years. Yes, we have. <laughs> We've been outbid many times because I'm cheap. Yes. <laughs> You are your father's daughter. Oh, God, I am. <laughs> this is the problem, like, when you're a TJ Maxx shopper. Yeah. When it comes time to buy a house, you're like, I don't think it's worth that. <laughs> <laughs> so we've been outbid many times. We found this house. They're, That's awesome. Oh, my God. We love it. It's amazing. We love it. Like, there have only been two houses that we've ever loved yeah and the first one we didn't get it we still to this day refer to it as the one that got away <laughs> i mean it had like all kinds of old charm all oh yeah. it was so cool i can't even talk about it i cried when we when lost get the bed house, yeah and i was even such a creep that i wrote the people who got it a letter like hey i don't know what you paid but i'll pay you more like let's make a deal and they yeah. were like fuck off we got a great oh house and by that, I mean, they just didn't respond. Yeah. Um, but so we've been putting in offers on, on this one house that we love, going back and forth. I mean, like I told you, I and I'm sorry, I know this is an overshare. Nervous pooper. Kristen's An- a nervous pooper. Anxiety poops all <laughs> for days. Anxiety poops for days. Um, so my dad just called. He said, it's a verbal yes. Nothing signed yet. So like I'm I could still take a nervous shit at any minute. <laughs> Jesus, please go to the bathroom. I'll just do it right there. Well no, we're podcasting and I take this seriously, Brandy. I'm not gonna just get up. Um so yeah, the second call was from Norman. Yay! Yeah. I'm so excited. You need to get more excited. You're just anxious right now. I'm I'm super anxious because get past that, get to excited. No, I can't. <laughs> Here's my thing. I'm always like, and this has happened every time we've ever gotten a house. It's like, oh, my God, we got a house. Oh, my God, that's so much money. Oh, my God, we totally overpaid. That's the only reason we got this place. So, you know, I'm just just a little bit of a mess. (laughs) I'm super excited. I'm excited, too. Good. It. Oh, my God, it's such a cool house. Yeah, it's really cool. Okay. Okay. Let's fucking talk about fucking Wyndham Vandemark yeah, yeah, yeah. again. Sorry, we've been okay. interrupted in her interview for like I don't know five times now. I that was the weirdest noise. Ever. <laughs> <laughs> Did you hear that? Yeah. Did I hear I it? Know what that was? It came from your body. <laughs> I mean, I'm the one with the anxiety shits. Do you have something going on? <laughs> no. So, um, Mrs. Wyndham Vandemark, she has her cucumber slices off, and basically what she says is, you know. Brooke is horny as can be, and she was going after the cabana boy. Oh my gosh. Okay, wait. Um, I don't know if you hmm? I don't know if you know this. I don't know if this has been talked about yet. Right. There must be not that big of an age difference between Chutney and Brooke, right? They're the same age. Oh shit. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. All right. They're both 26. Uh-huh. So just imagine uh-huh. how that might feel. Uh-huh. Not great. Nope. Not great at all. But Elle knew in her gut that Mrs. Wyndham Vandemark was lying because of her icky brown hair. Oh. 
that was all she had to go on. <laughs> L must be a blonde. L is super blonde. Soon the trial started. They, things didn't look good for the defense. Yeah. They didn't have a usable alibi, and Brooke totally looked unsympathetic to mm-hmm. the jury. Hayworth's daughter, Chutney Wyndham, was the first witness to take the stand. She talked about discovering Brooke, standing over her father's dead body. Next, Mrs. Wyndham Vandemark took the stand, followed by Enrique Salvatore, the pool boy. Ooh. At what age are you a pool man, though? I don't know that anybody's ever a pool man. Aren't they always a pool boy? You always hear them called the pool, pool boy, boy. But like yeah. this guy's, um, I mean, he didn't look. Let's get Norman's vote on this. <laughs> Norman. <laughs> Norman doesn't even have to be here. And I 100% know his vote is for pool boy. Yeah. Norman refers to himself as a boy. <laughs> it's disgusting. It's revolting. I love it. I hate it. I hate it. <laughs> I feel like I have to pause until so like a couple weeks ago before baby Henry was born. Yeah. My mom and sister were over at the house and like we were talking about maybe going shopping for like last minute baby stuff. Uh-huh. And Norman goes, oh, you know, Target has cute boy clothes. <laughs> and my mom was like, oh, and you could tell she was thinking like how sweet how that sweet. Norman yeah. is thinking about. Baby clothes for Henry, and then Kyla started laughing. She's like, "Just so you know, mom, he means adult boys. (laughs) He means like for himself." Yep. As soon as the pool man, pool boy, took the stand, the (laughs) the prosecutor held up a blue sequined thong. Oh, she said, "Mr. Salvatore, can you tell us what this is?" And he said, "My uniform." His uniform uh, with a blue sparkly thong? Yeah. <laughs> he cleaned the pool in a blue sparkly thong? What's wrong with that, Brandy? What do you clean the pool in? <laughs> <laughs> Why would Brooke have this sexy man clean her pool in a sequined thong? The yeah, answer- it doesn't sound great. Uh, no, it doesn't. And the answer seemed pretty clear. But the prosecutor asked anyway. She said, are you or are you not having an affair with Ms. Wyndham? And he admitted it. He and Brooke were having sex. When court broke for lunch, the defense was in shambles. They felt like they had no shot, but Brooke kept defending herself. She was like, you know a Delta Nu would never have sex with a guy who wears a thong. I just liked watching him clean the filter. Oh my gosh! (laughs) (laughs) Which I don't understand at all, but Uh, whatever. No, thank you. No, no. (laughs) Okay, perhaps unpopular opinion here. But I really think that only like 0.5% of the population looks good in a thong. The rest of us absolutely need more coverage. Yeah, it's like not a flattering look. No. Do you remember when it was like the law, everyone had to wear thongs? Yes. Yeah. Yes. The yeast infections. You know Vagisil had to love the Whoa! rise of the thongs. Should I cut this? Is this too much? I love it. <laughs> Not enough podcasts mention Vagisil, I feel like. <laughs> it's a real gap that we're filling right now. 
So Elle believed Brooke, but she didn't know what to do. She walked out of court, got in line at the water fountain, and freaking Enrique cut in front of her at the water fountain. So she's standing there. She's so annoying. So she starts tapping her shoe. Uh-huh. And as soon as he finished drinking, he spun around and said, Don't stomp your little last season Prada shoes at me, honey. Really? Elle's first reaction was, these aren't last season. But then it hit her. Enrique was gay. Gay men know designers. Straight men don't. Yeah. So she ran back into the courtroom to share her theory. And Brooke was like, yes, he did leave a share tape in the pool house once. <laughs> well, that, that decides it. <laughs> but Callahan was not impressed. He, was, he thought that Elle was stupid and so was her theory. When it came time to cross-examine Enrique, Callahan did a pretty shitty job. He was just like, do you have proof of the affair? And Enrique said, only the proof that's in my heart. And Callahan was like, meh, you know, that's not enough. (laughs) So, I mean, it made no impact. Yeah. The judge was about to let Enrique step down. But Emmett, who was serving as co-counsel, believed Elle's theory. He was like, I want to ask a few questions. Here's how it went. Emmett. Did you ever take Mrs. Wyndham on a date? Enrique. Yes. Emmett. Where? Enrique. A restaurant in Concord where no one would recognize us. Emmett. How long have you been sleeping with Mrs. Wyndham? Enrique. Three months. Emmett. And your boyfriend's name is? Enrique. Chuck. (gasps) Exactly. So he just like stuck it in there, had him like answering questions. Oh my gosh, that's so good. So everyone gasps. The judge bangs her gavel. Enrique was panicked, so he tried to backtrack. And he's like, I thought you said friend. Chuck is just a friend. And at that, Chuck leapt up from his spot in the gallery and he yelled, you bitch! And then he ran out. Oh my gosh, this is like a fucking movie. (laughs) That evening, after court let out, Callahan invited Elle to his office. He told her that he appreciated her insight and that he should have listened to her that day. He praised her. He she, he said oh, she was. No. I, yeah, it's. Oh not, no! I know where this is going. Yeah, it's not good. Did he? Did he put his hand on her thigh while he's saying all of this? More knee area, oh, but you great. know, yeah, mm-hmm. not good. No, she was disgusted. She immediately felt like he never. He didn't bring me onto this case because he thought he, I was smart. He just liked the way I looked. So she rebuffed his advances. She decided to quit. She told Emmett everything, and Emmett was like, no, you have to stay. You're becoming who you're going to be. But she had her mind made up. She was going to quit the case and drop out of Harvard. So she packed up her convertible, hugged her manicurist goodbye, and cried. Hmm, that's sad. But a funny thing happened in that salon. One of her law professors was in there getting her hair done. And she spun around in her chair and said, if you're going to let one stupid prick ruin your life, you're not the girl I thought (gasps) you were. Oh, my God. Yes. So as this was happening, Emmett and Vivian met with Brooke in prison. And Brooke told them she didn't like Callahan. 
She didn't care that he was the top defense attorney in yeah. Massachusetts. Ooh. He didn't. Sorry, I got excited. <laughs> For people who could not see that, I was doing a wild hand gesture. I like bent my straw, like things things are happening. He didn't trust her. She didn't trust him. Then Emmett let her in on what was going on. He said Elle had quit because Callahan hit on her. That was all Brooke needed to hear. She walked into the courtroom that morning for her second day of trial and she fired Callahan on the spot. Oh my gosh. As soon as she did that, Elle burst into the courtroom dressed head to toe in pink. Of course she did. Her chihuahua, Brewster, poked his head out of her handbag. Right away, they ran into a hiccup. Callahan was like, you're a law student. You can't do this. You're not a practicing attorney. But Elle pointed out a statute that allows law students to represent a client in court as long as they have a licensed attorney supervising them. Wow. Of course, Callahan said, well, I'm not going to supervise you. But then Emmett jumped in. He was like, that's fine. I'll supervise. Oh, my gosh. The prosecution was thrilled. Obviously. Obviously. They were like, like, yeah, we'll allow it. Yeah, Yeah. let the dumb blonde take over. That's great. Things started out really rough for Al. Chutney took the stand, and it took a while for Elle to figure out exactly what to ask her. Chutney told the jury that she was in the shower, washing her hair, so she didn't hear any gunshot. And when she got out of the shower, she discovered her father dead and Brooke standing over him, covered in blood. Uh Elle kind of stuttered and stumbled. She Mm -hmm. looked really stupid. It was painful. To buy time, she was like, "Uh, what had you done earlier that day? And Chutney said, I went to the gym, got a latte, got a perm, and went home. <gasps> oh! Mm. Brandy, oh! Brandy, why, why are you reacting that way? Do you just love lattes and no, perms in the gym? hairstylist here. Okay, drop some knowledge. I can tell you that you can't wash your perm for 48 to 72 hours after receiving it. So, did she have a perm on the stand, Kristen? Uh, yeah. Uh Her curls were intact. Uh Uh-huh. She's fucking lying. Elle thought the same thing. A light bulb went on in her head. She said, Miss Wyndham, had you ever gotten a perm before? And Chutney said, yeah. Twice a year since I was 12. Elle turned to the jury. She said, you know, a girl in my sorority decided to get a perm once. We all tried to talk her out of it. Curls weren't a good look for her. Then she politely turned to Chutney and said, she didn't have your bone structure. (laughs) Elle went on to explain that her sorority sister, Tracy Marshinko, on the same day she got the perm, entered a wet t-shirt contest where she was hosed down from head to toe. Uh Yeah, I'm familiar with how a wet t-shirt contest (laughs) works. I thought they just hosed down the boobs. I, yeah, I mean, you're probably right, typically. I mean, never been a part of one. Uh, same. <laughs> Thank God. <laughs> I was not a member of a sorority. <laughs> Neither was I. I hope they're not like a normal thing. I don't think so. Yeah, that, it's, not, it's not great. <laughs> L turned back to Chutney. She said, why is it that Tracy Marcinko's curls were ruined when she got hosed down? Chutney didn't hesitate. She said, because they got wet. Mm-hmm. Elle had her in a trap. 
Everyone knows that the cardinal rule of perm maintenance is that you're not supposed to get your hair wet for at least 24 hours after getting a perm. And Brandy says 48. That's right. And since Chutney had had roughly 30 perms in her lifetime, she should know that. And since she wasn't in the shower washing her hair, she would have heard the gun go off. And she would have gone immediately down to see what was happening. And if that had happened, she would have caught Brooke with the gun still in her hand. Tears welled in Chutney's eyes. Finally, she lost control. She shouted, She's my age! Did she tell you that? How would you feel if your father married someone who was your age? Elle fought back. She said, You, however, did have time to hide the gun, didn't you, Chutney? After you shot your father. Chutney, I didn't mean to shoot him! And then she points over at Brooke and she goes, I thought it was you walking through the door! Oh my gosh! The crowd gasped! Chutney was immediately taken away and charged with murder. You know, justice is so fast. Yes. And the judge immediately dismissed the case against Brooke, and everyone cheered. Where are they now? Yeah. You might ask. Yes. Did Emmett and Brooke hook up? Well, Emmett and Brooke. I meant Emmett and Elle. (laughs) What twist? (laughs) So Elle graduated from Harvard, and she was voted by the class to be their commencement speaker. Afterward, she got a job at the top law firm in Boston. Nice. Good Vivian, for her. yeah. Vivian dumped Warner. She and Elle are now best friends. Warner graduated from Harvard without honors, without a girlfriend, and without any job offers. Good. Super douche. Elle's manicurist, Paulette, married a UPS guy. <gasps> Why am I telling you that? I don't know. It's just good for it's you cute. to know. Yeah. <laughs> They're expecting their first child, a daughter named Elle. Emmett quit Callahan's law firm and opened his own practice. And you're not going to believe this, but he's proposing to Elle tonight. Oh, my gosh. This very evening. This very evening? Yes. Oh, <laughs> oh my gosh. I love Crazy story, huh? It's so crazy. Hard to believe. It is hard to believe. All right. All right. Are you ready to talk about two Ford Tauruses? Two Ford Tauruses. (laughs) No, these are nearly identical cars. Oh, excuse me. But that's not all. There's murder Uh and miscommunication. Oh, love it. All right. It's 1992. Bill Gambini and Stan Rothstein were driving through rural Alabama in their 1964 mint metallic green Buick Skylark. Beautiful. Yes. Um, This is like the sticks. It's super rural. And these are two New York guys. They had both just gotten scholarships to UCLA and they were driving across country. Okay. It seems to me like they're taking a weird Uh, route if they're in Alabama. Yeah. (laughs) Maybe they're doing like the super scenic route. I guess so. (laughs) So they stop to pick up some road snacks Uh at the Sack of Suds convenience store. Combos and Twizzlers? Combos and Twizzlers. (laughs) We haven't talked about this, so... Oh, yeah, yeah, we yeah. didn't explain. So we have been having weekly movie nights. <laughs> to, you know, 
broaden my horizons. Yes, Kristen doesn't watch movies. She hasn't seen anything. So Norm and I are taking it upon ourselves. I've seen to... Legally Blonde. <laughs> oh, you have? Yeah. Oh. Yeah, so since you haven't seen anything, uh-huh. we're, we're uh, Norm and I are enlightening you. We're showing you the ways of the world, and we're showing Kristen a different movie every week. So last, or I don't know, some week, last yeah. week, this week, whatever, we watched Road Trip, and we had road snacks while we, <laughs> while we watched it. So the funny thing was, like, you know, Norman was obsessed with, like, the road snacks. So we got combos, we got Twizzlers, yeah. but then we got to your house, and he was like, we have to order a pizza. Yes. And so like And then we didn't eat the road snacks. Yeah. We didn't eat the combos at all. Who's gonna eat pizzeria combos when you've got pizza? A pizza. By there. the way, I've I'd never had combos before because they look like dog treats. And they're so good. I'm not gonna say they're so good. They're I'm, a good car snack when you're on a road trip. Which did is you know why that they're sponsored them. by NASCAR? They are? Doesn't that make a lot of sense? They're literally a car snack. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, you know, I, I did enjoy them. Yeah. Okay. So yeah. these two guys, mm-hmm. they're at the sack of suds. They're getting just like, they buy like 20 items. Yeah. They get out to the 20 car. items? Yeah. I don't know. Okay. Just ballpark. Okay. They get out to the car. They get in. They drive away. And one of them realizes it's um it's it's Bill. He realizes mm-hmm. there's something in his pocket. He reaches down. It's a can of tuna. He had had his arms full and he was like about to drop the can. And so he'd stuck it in his pocket uh-huh. while he walked up to the counter. OK. To set the stuff out to pay. And he'd forgotten it was in there. So he'd inadvertently stolen this can of tuna from the sack of suds. Huh. Not really sure that tuna's a great car snack. No, it's not. I'm First sure. Of all, it was a convertible, which does change things a little bit. Because <laughs> if we're talking about a closed car, I'm going to fucking murder whoever is eating tuna in the car on a road trip. Okay. You guys, last week, <laughs> Brandy and I were driving to lunch. I sneezed in the car. I thought you were going to kill me. Okay, it's more about just like sneezes in general. I don't, obviously you can't control a sneeze. No, I mean, what do you want me to do? No, but like when you're in, lots of stuff sprays out when you're sneezing. And you are, we were in a very confined space. (laughs) I don't know, you've got a pretty big car. (laughs) It is spacious. (laughs) However, there is no car that will ever be spacious enough for me to feel like, Really good about someone sneezing at it. <laughs> Are you worried that it'll affect the resale value? Do you think like somebody's gonna be like, has this car been this sneezed? Clearly, in? this car's been sneezed in. <laughs> no, I just don't like it. I mean, have you ever had somebody sneeze next to you and get just like a little mist off of it? Oh yeah, it's it's the worst. It's the worst. Uh, but I guess I didn't expect like. At, you know, as I was winding up for the sneeze, I saw your whole body changed. <laughs> can't even and there help was like, it. I tension. can't even help it. And I was just like, oh my God. I just, it's like a whole thing with me, like sneezes and mucus and all. I can't handle it. Love it. Love I every minute. I cannot handle it. I do not. <laughs> anyway, how dare you sneeze in my fucking car? <laughs> so they are. He realizes that he's inadvertently stolen this can of tuna. Mm-hmm. 
whoops, you know, oh, well, yeah. not a huge they're deal. They're already on the road, right? All of a sudden. Yeah, they're on the road. Oh. All of a sudden, there's police cars everywhere. They're pulled over. They're arrested. They're like, we know what you did back there at the sack of suds. Uh-huh. And he's like, oh, my God, all of a this over of a can of tuna? Sack of tuna. <laughs> That's even worse. That is worse. I'm picturing like a grocery bag full of tuna. <laughs> Is it in the cans or is it out? Oh, it's out, baby. (laughs) (laughs) So, Bill and Stan are taken Mm -hmm. to the police department. And the police are being a little bit weird about it. They're not really telling them what's going on. They're separated. They're put in two different interrogation rooms. Um, And the sheriff, I mean, this is a small town. So the sheriff comes in and talks to Bill. Mm -hmm. And he's like... We know what you did. And he's like, I swear it was an accident. Like, I I really did not mean to. I, you know, it, it really was not intentional. And he's like, what do you mean it's not intentional? How do you accidentally? And he's like, I, I mean, I really, I really don't know. And right. this just goes on. And he, there's just like, there's clearly oh a miscommunication yes. happening. Yes. All of a sudden. The sheriff is like, so what made you do it? And he's like, what do you mean what made me do it? Right. And he's like, you shot the clerk. Oh. (laughs) And Bill is stunned because he has been like really admitting that he did something this whole Mm -hmm. time. Like he's like, yes, I did something, you know, it was totally by accident. Oh, no. Well, he's admitting to stealing a can of tuna. Right. And now he finds out that they're accusing him of shooting the clerk. Oh, my God. At the sack of suds. And so... The sheriff's like, you shot the clerk. And Bill goes, I shot the clerk. No. I shot the clerk. I shot the clerk. Okay. No. Could be a question, right? He's well, clarifying. It's definitely a question. Or is it a confession? No, it's not a confession. <laughs> oh, my God. I don't know. He said three times, Kristen, I shot the clerk. Yeah. And more incredulous every time, right? <laughs> I don't know. According to the sheriff. Confession. No. Yep. No. So Bill is charged with first degree murder. Oh my god. And his buddy Stan is charged to uh, for is what? charged with accessory to okay. murder. They're both arrested. They're taken to jail for holding. They're put in the same cell. But it's like it's kind of like um like a pod, like there's other right. there's other um bunks characters available. But they're the only two that are in it at this point. Gotcha. But Stan is fucking losing his mind. He's like, someone's going to come in this in one of these bunks and they're going to ass rape us. (laughs) He's sure that they're getting ass raped that night. Well, that would be a grave concern. (laughs) It would be. (laughs) So Bill's like, we're going to be fine. You know, I called my mom. I totally forgot. My cousin just past the bar in New York, he's going to come down. He's going to represent us. Well, did he pass the bar in Alabama? Because that's... He did not, but Kristen, he's an attorney and he's free, so... But you have to pass the bar in no, the state No, 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 no. You gonna... get permission to uh, to argue a case. Can you? Perhaps. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> so... They're just 
in jail just waiting mm-hmm. to um, be ass raped, be ass raped, <laughs> figure out what's going on. This like they can't believe this crazy miscommunication. Like, obviously, they know they didn't shoot any clerk, mm-hmm. but somehow they went to the sack of suds. And shortly after they left, the clerk was shot to death. Right. And the store was robbed. Right. And they don't know anything. That's all. And they don't know anything. They know that they stole a can of tuna and that's mm-hmm. it. So while they're sitting in their cell one day, this guy comes in. And Bill is asleep in the bunk. Mm-hmm. And Stan sits up and he's like, oh, God. Oh, God. It's a, it's a new one. They put somebody in with us. And this guy is real rough. He's like a real like New York type. He's got a leather jacket on. They How many the ja- New York types do they have in this Alabama prison? I know, right? Yeah. The- yeah. Okay. It mm-hmm. is It is odd. So he takes his jacket off. He starts rolling his sleeves up. Uh-huh. And he's like, so what do you think? Like, should I do you first or should I do him first? <laughs> no. Yeah. And he's like losing his mind. He's like, this is it. This is when I get ass raped. And so he starts like to try and shake Bill away Uh because Bill's sleeping. And he rolls over. It's Bill's cousin. He's there to interview them (laughs) so that he can start preparing his, their case. Okay. (laughs) This lawyer has classic miscommunication. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, wait, so he wasn't wasn't even meeting. Like, yeah, no, he meant like, let me, should I interview you first or should I interview him first? <laughs> Excellent. So Bill's super grateful that his cousin, um, Vincent Gambini, mm-hmm. has come down to Alabama to argue this case for him. He's slightly concerned because um, his background is in personal injury law oh. and he's just past the bar. I mean, how do you even have a background in anything and, at that uh, point? And he's never argued a single case in court before. <laughs> I would be concerned, yes. too. <laughs> well, Stan is like, fuck this. Absolutely not. I'm taking the public defender. Uh-huh. So some time passes. They've done their preparations mm. for court. The trial is here. The public defender has been great. Like, he's very buttoned up. He's, you know... Got everything together. Right. Stan's feeling really great about it. Meanwhile, Bill's like, fuck, I mean, I guess I got to go with my cousin, right? Right. My cousin Vincent. Yeah. (laughs) My cousin Vincent came all the way here (laughs) from New York. I can't tell him that he's not allowed to argue this case. Right. So it's the first day of trial. And fucking... Vincent, uh, I think he preferred Vinny. Like most people called him Vinny. Sure. So Vinny has been having a rough fucking time in Alabama. (laughs) He can't sleep every night. There's something he keeps moving to like different hotels and stuff because like at one. I mean, this is a small fucking town. This is very rural, as I said. Uh, One night, a fucking train rolls through at 4 (laughs) a.m. and Uh wait the whistle wakes him up so he went down at this particular hotel and asked the asked the front desk person like is that something that happens every day and the guy's like oh no and he's like oh good okay great so then he stays there another night the next morning same thing uh-huh train comes through fucking loud ass whistle wakes him up and uh he goes back down to the front desk and he's like 
you told me that that was, you know, that was very unusual. Uh-huh. And he's like, oh, yeah, it is. It was late. It usually comes through at 3.30. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so, like, it's just many. things like that just keep yeah. happening. The next place he stays, it's, like, right next to, like, a hog farm. And, like, oh. they feed the hogs every morning at 4 a.m. And it's loud as fuck. Problem after problem. Right. The problems don't stop there. He shows up in court and immediately has problems with the judge. Mm -hmm. Judge Chamberlain Holler. Howler, Holler, Hallier. I don't know. His name's Chamberlain. Okay. Which I like. Uh, Yeah, sure. Yeah, I'm I'm here for it. And he and Judge Chamberlain are not getting along. I don't think I'm allowed to call the judge by his first name. But what if when it sounds like a last <laughs> it name? It does sound like a last name. <laughs> so that's not the only problem, though. The prosecutor, very good friends with the judge, as you might expect in, in a small, small town. town. Yeah. Yes. Yep. So the judge doesn't like anything about Vinny. Mm-hmm. He doesn't like the way he dresses. He doesn't like the way he talks. He has a New York accent. He showed up in court in slacks and a sweater and a leather jacket. Mm -hmm. And the judge was like, absolutely not. Will you ever show up in my courtroom like this again? Whoa. If you show up dressed like this again, I will find you in contempt of court and you will go to jail. Damn. Yeah. Okay. So he's like, our Vinny's like, okay, I got to get a suit, you know, whatever. So. Vinny also has a potty mouth and he like let a couple F words slide in court and stuff like that. And just really not good. Really, really off to a terrible start with the judge. So the trial's underway. The public defender gets up to make his opening argument. I don't know if it's his opening argument or if he's actually interrogating his first witness. Um, I didn't actually write that down. So I believe they call it questioning. Questioning his first witness. (laughs) Excuse me. He gets up. Remember I told you he's been buttoned up this right, whole right. time. So he good. he's dressed very appropriately sure, for court. Sure. Um Stan is really feeling great about his representation. He gets up and he under the pressure of court oh, no. has the worst stutter on the planet and oh, he can't no. even get out a single word. Oh no. Yes. And so he has to like sit down and uh, Vinny has to get up and start questioning. <sighs> yeah, it's really bad. Stan ends up having to fire him because he can't even oh. and, and he can't even question anybody. Yeah. So the trial's going along, and it's it's not looking good. Right there, the prosecution brings forth three eyewitnesses who can say that they saw a green nineteen sixty four. Buick Skylark pull in to the sack of suds. Two men with white men with dark hair matching Bill and Stan's descriptions get out of it, go in, and then a short time later come running out. At, and one of the eyewitnesses remembers hearing shots fired right before mm-hmm. they shot, saw the two men come running out. It's really not looking good. Yeah. So. Vinny is super stressed. Well, yeah. Things are not going his way. It's terrible. He ends up actually being thrown in jail a couple times <laughs> just because of arguing with the judge okay. and stuff. 
Yeah, he said unfucking believable to the judge. Well, yeah, to that's the judge. Not yeah, good. you can't say it to the judge. No. Now. So all of a sudden, though, things start clicking for Vinny. He's going to pull this off, Kristen. How? Those eyewitnesses. Okay. okay. So the first one is this little old woman with these really thick glasses. <gasps> and she says that she saw the two men mm-hmm. enter the store. Heard the shots. A short time later, the men came running out, drove off in their 1964 mint green Buick Skylark. Mm-hmm. So he's like, how far away? So she's on the stand. Yeah. And Vinny's like, okay, tell me how far away your home is from the sack of suds. Mm-hmm. And she says, oh, about 100 feet. And he says, okay. Now... I see that you're wearing glasses. Mm-hmm. How long have you worn glasses? And she said, oh, since I was a little girl. And he said, okay. Now, over that time, have you gotten new prescriptions? And she said, yeah, I get a stronger prescription, you know, every couple of years. And and so Vinny's like, well, do you think maybe it's time for a new prescription now? And she's like, no, I see just fine. Uh huh. And he's like, okay, let's test it out. So he goes up to I the love stand this. and he gives her the end of a tape measure to hold uh-huh. on to it. She holds on to it and he backs up 50 feet. He's got this tape measure strung all uh-huh. the way across this courtroom. But he goes all the way back to the doors. So it's 50 feet. So half the distance okay. that she said her home was from the sack of suds. And so... She, he says, okay, I'm going to hold up my hand. You tell me how many fingers I'm holding up. So immediately the judge fucks this up yeah. because Vinny holds up two fingers uh-huh. and he asks the woman to tell him. And the judge says to the court reporter, mark the record, let the record show oh, that he's holding no, up two no, fingers. No. And so Vinny has to be like, hold on. Okay, let's try this again. Witness. And only the witness, yes. please tell me how many fingers I'm holding up. So now, I believe he holds up four fingers. Yeah, yeah. And she says, two. Oh. And so he keeps his fingers held up and he walks closer and closer and closer to her until she can finally see the correct number of fingers that he's actually holding up. And she's like, she's. he says, what do you think? What do you think now? And she said, I think it might be time for a new prescription. Yeah. So, okay. Oh, that's good. It's good. That's really good. It's really good. good. Yeah. So first witness, eyewitness taken care of, no longer credible. Mm-hmm. Second witness, this real country guy, He's um, he also lives close to the sack of suds. And he said he was sitting in his living room and he heard the shots and he looked out and he saw the two men run out of the sack of suds and get in a mint green Buick Skylark and take off. And he positively identified Stan and Bill as those two men Mm -hmm. from his living room. He was able to do this. Okay. So Vinny goes up to the stand and he starts laying out pictures for this witness. And so the first one, he hands it to the witness and he's like, tell me what's in this picture. And he says, a window. (laughs) And Vinny's like, yeah, good, good. All uh-huh. right, next one. And he's like, what's this one? And uh, 
and he's like, that's the screen on my window. <laughs> <laughs> uh-huh. And so then he's like, all right, all right, we're, we're doing yeah. well. We're doing yeah. well. He's like, what about this one? What's all that? What's all that brown, crusty stuff? And he's like, the witness like looks at the picture and then looks at Vinny and he's very confused and he pauses for a second and he's like, dirt. <laughs> and he's like, very good. Excellent. Excellent. We're, we're doing well. We're doing well. And then he hands him another picture and he's like, what's this? And he said, those are the bushes in front of my window mm-hmm. and shows him another picture. What's this? That's the tree right outside my window. Great. Excellent. He shows him another picture. Uh-huh. What are all these little things on that tree? And the guy looks at it and he's like, he, again, he's a little bit confused. And he's like, uh, leaves. <laughs> he's like, excellent. Exactly. Exactly. They're leaves. And so then he puts it all together, Kristen. He's like, you're telling me mm-hmm. that from sitting in your living room, you looked out your went dirty window. <laughs> With a rusty screen, through these bushes, uh-huh. through that tree, and through all these leaves, uh-huh. and you saw those two men run out of the sack of suds. Oh, that's awesome. Yes. That is awesome. Yes. And so, next witness, down. Mm-hmm. Done. Yep. The third witness said that... He he saw two men matching the defendant's descriptions. He was sure that it was the defendant's walk in to the sack of suds. He made himself breakfast. And then when he was ready to eat his breakfast, he saw those men again running out um, at, and he heard the gunshots. And so Vinny's up there and he's like, OK, do you think it's possible that you saw these two men walk into the sack of suds. Mm-hmm. They went in there. They bought their items. They left. And then another car, nearly identical, pulled up. Two completely different men walked in and shot the clerk, robbed the store, came out, and then left. And that's who you saw leaving the store. Mm-hmm. And the guy said, absolutely not. And Vinny says, how can you be so sure? Yeah. And he said, there wasn't time. And he said, okay, well, how, how long was it between when you saw the men walk into the store and when you heard the shots and saw them run out? And the man says, uh, five minutes. He said, five minutes. Okay, so you made your entire breakfast in five minutes? Mm-hmm. And the man said, yeah, it only takes five minutes. And he said, oh, okay. No. What what did you have for breakfast? And the man said, eggs and grits. Mm-mm-mm, no. And Vinny says, huh, I like grits. I never had grits before now. And he, this, is, this has been a thing. Every breakfast that Vinny has ordered when he's been in this Alabama town has come with grits. And he's like, what the fuck is this? They're so good. They're so good. Yeah. I love grits. Yeah. Yes. So... So Vinny's like, oh, yeah, I really like grits, too. Uh, Do you make instant grits? And the witness is, like, offended. He's like, no self-respecting Southerner eats instant grits. Yeah. 
and like a light bulb goes mm-hmm. off for Vinny. And he's really feeling it now. He's like wandering all oh, around yeah. the courtroom. He's strutting his stuff. And he's like, okay, so you're telling me that you saw the men go into the store. You put on your grits. And then by the time your grits were ready, f- only five minutes had passed. And mm-hmm. you saw them come out. And he's like, the witness is like, yeah, of course. And he's like, hmm. Uh, anybody who's ever made grits before can tell you that it takes 20 minutes to cook grits. Mm-hmm. W- what What do you have? Some kind of magic grits? Yeah. Do the... Do the laws of physics cease to exist in your kitchen? <laughs> and the the witness has like totally clammed up. At this oh yeah, point. And he's yeah. just like he's embarrassed. And he's like I, I don't I don't know. Mm-hmm. And so Vinny's like really railing it on it now. The prosecution the prosecutor has start stood up and he's like, starting object, to object yep, object. Yep. The the judge is banging his gavel and Vinny just keeps saying over and over again, "Do you think you may have been wrong about the time? Do you think you may have been wrong about how long the men you saw enter the store were in there?" Mm-hmm. And finally the witness is like, "Yes, I may have been wrong." Oh. Yes. So good. So good. So good. Okay. Next witness down. Yeah. So he's discredited three wit- witnesses who can place Bill and Stan at the scene. Right. But his version of what he's putting forth is so unbelievable. Mm-hmm. He, he is telling the jury that he believes that Bill and Stan drove up to the sack of suds, went in, bought their snacks, left. And then another car, nearly identical, mm-hmm. also drove up, entered the store, shot the clerk, and then ran off. Yeah. So that these witnesses have seen two different cars that just look almost identical. And he has no way to prove it. Yeah. Until his star witness. Okay. 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 So Vinny has this girlfriend. She's Uh a hairdresser. Mm. After my own heart. Um, And she's fucking amazing. She's hilarious. Like, she's beautiful. She's got this amazing hair. Are you just describing yourself right now? (laughs) Maybe. She's super smart and funny. (laughs) So, she has been with Vinny for 10 years. Uh And their deal was that they would get married after he won his first case. Uh Uh-huh. Only he couldn't pass the so he never had a case so she's like i'm they've been arguing this whole time like she's done but she's like this genius mechanic because she grew up in a family of mechanics her dad all of her brothers yeah. and uncles are all mechanics yeah. and so Vinny one night is looking it's like the last night of the trial he's got to put forth some kind of something to prove his version yeah he knows it's true, but he's got to make sure the jury knows it's true. Yeah. And he's looking through these pictures that his girlfriend has taken. And there's a picture of tire tracks from the scene. And the tire tracks, there's something very specific about them. Like they go up on a median and one tire stays down, mm-hmm. but the tracks are the same. And that's when Vinny realizes that there was something very specific about this car that could not possibly have been a 1964 Buick Skylark. What was it? 
Oh, wouldn't you like to know? Yes, I would. Why don't we let his girlfriend tell you? So he calls her to the stand. Uh-huh. And she's pissed at him. Yeah. They've gotten into fights this whole time that he's been there. Right. She's had to bail him out of jail from being, you know, in contempt of court multiple right. times. So she will not answer his questions. Mm-hmm. Her name's Lisa. Uh-huh. So Lisa is like on the stand and like he's walking up and asking her questions and like showing her pictures and she's literally like <laughs> turning away and won't make eye contact. He has to ask the judge to force her to uh-huh. answer and force her to take the picture. And so he shows her the picture and he's like, asks her, you know, you know, basically, could these tire marks have been made by a 1964 Buick Skylark? And she looks at it and she looks at it. And then for her too, like it's like a light bulb Uh comes on and she's like, no, they couldn't. And he's like, I don't understand. Explain. Uh Uh-huh. And she said, a 1964 Buick Skylark had a a solid axle so that if this car went up on a curb, the tire that was still on the ground would have tilted out and the tire marks would not be even. Because the axle wouldn't allow for, like, it's it's a solid axle. Yeah. But there is a car that looks almost identical Uh to the Buick Skylark, the Pontiac Tempest. Okay. Which um, had the same length, same width, was available in metallic mint green, um, and it had a split rear differential that would allow the tires to um, operate separately from each other. So if a one tire went up on the curb, the axle would shift a bit and the tires would remain even. Whoa. Yes. So there was no way that the 1964 Buick Skylark made the tire tracks leaving the scene. Mm-hmm. The prosecution is shocked yeah their whole case has just fallen apart Uh uh-huh but Vinny had one more surprise left (laughs) he called the bailiff to the stand what yes because he had had him do an errand for him okay on a break from court so he calls the bailiff to the stand and he he had already told the bailiff what he needed and the bailiff kind of hmm. begrudgingly begrudgingly (laughs) did it but he comes in and he's got this piece of paper and he's like so tell us what'd you find out and the bailiff's like well on a hunch i decided to check surrounding towns and it turns out that on the day of the shooting at the sack of suds a pontiac tempest metallic mint green was pulled over in a neighboring town. No. With two men in it and a gun in the <gasps> glove compartment and the exact amount of money that was well, stolen from the sack of well, suds. Well, well. So the charges were immediately dropped for Bill and Stan, and Vinny won his first case. Ooh. How weird. In both our cases, the charges were dropped on immediately the right isn't that justice so crazy was and so then you just fast. get to walk out of the courtroom right and then. everyone cheered yes everyone did cheer yeah yeah it was pretty amazing mm-hmm. yeah um i'm just really like i just feel really great for Vinny. i mean he really needed that win and lisa too like she really loved Vinny, and now 
they're they were they got married after that that's awesome yeah that's awesome yeah and she was super cute like really kind of like picture marissa tomei got it yeah that's, but like 20 years ago yeah like 20 years okay. ago marissa gotcha. tomei gotcha. Yeah. yeah yeah super funny super good looking <laughs> should we come clean do you think do you think people have picked up on it already Kristen? i hope to god they have <laughs> have not been real cases if you have not picked up on it already Kristen told us the plot of legally blonde and i covered my cousin Vinny. i'm sorry my cousin vincent <laughs> no so this was your idea you came up with this idea like a long a time long ago ti- months ago i was like i've got this idea for april fools i think it was fun i love april fools yes i know you do i've never i don't do april fool stuff so i was inspired by you Kristen. I'm a very inspiring person. <laughs> Not enough people tell me that. And then a hero comes along with, with the strength to carry on. That's enough. We'll stop. Yeah. We'll stop. <laughs> For your benefit. So, um, you know what I want to know? Yeah. I want to know from people how long did yeah, it take what point you to did figure they pick it out? Up. Yeah, please give us your feedback. And Let us know at like, what point you picked up let's, what was going let's on. Let's not get our egos involved. Like, no, you know, like you don't be honest. Like if it if it took you twenty minutes, it took you twenty minutes. It's not an IQ test. <laughs> <laughs> but no, this was super fun. Super fun. I loved it. I hope you guys have enjoyed this cute little bonus episode. Was it cute? I think it was cute. I think it was adorable. Super adorable, like a little bunny. Or like a child in a beauty pageant. Oh! <laughs> no, I think that's horrifying. It is. If you enjoyed this episode, please, you know, join us for our regular episode, which will be out in a couple days. And it'll be real. Yeah. Real cases. That's real right. People. Real people, real cases. Wait, what's that from? I, it's the People's Court, People's right? Court, right? Yes. <laughs> Podcast Adjourned. adjourned. And now for a note about our process. For this very special episode, we took scenes from our favorite movies and pretended they were real. So we owe a huge thank you to those movies. For this episode, I got my info from the classic legal thriller, Legally Blonde. And I got my info from award-winning courtroom drama, My Cousin Vinny. Happy April Fool's Day!